Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Life Church podcast. We hope you are encouraged, challenged, and most of all, we hope it brings you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Uh, if it's your first time, welcome. I'm Matt. I'm the pastor here. We're going to raise the lights up a little bit so you can see. And uh, we just want to say thank you for being here. If you're watching online, thanks for tuning in. We're so glad to have you as well, uh, a part of uh, Life Church online. And I uh, hope everybody's staying healthy and safe. If you are a first-time visitor, we do have a little card we want you to fill out so we can send you spam mail and stuff and give you a free gift uh, when you leave here. So uh, everybody feels good about spam mail, right? Whatever. Well, I hope everybody's feeling good this morning. Okay, well, let's try this again. How are y'all feeling this morning? Y'all good? Y'all good? Hey, I want to remind you that we are participating in Operation Christmas Childs out in the, the foyer out there. We've got... Collections already happening and boxes over there. If you need information about that, uh, we really want to encourage you to help uh, kids out who are less fortunate this Christmas. You can get with Amy Bridges, and she can help you out with all the info on that. And she'll be at that table in the back to answer any questions after service. Uh, but with that said... Out of the mouth of babes. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, these kids are, they don't have the luxuries that we have here, and so. Uh, just a plastic box is a huge deal for them. So please, please consider giving, uh, giving more than one. It doesn't take a whole lot to fill a box, and it blesses a child um, like you can't even imagine. So with that being said, we're going to get into the Word of God this morning. I hope you're all excited and ready for it. Uh, get your Bibles. We're going to be in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. Uh, I'm talking about convictions today, not the ones that give you 25 to life, although some of those may be involved in this story. Um, we're talking about convictions today. I really feel like Holy Spirit is going to go this direction this morning. Uh, last week we talked about just our response with all the stuff that's going on around us uh, with pandemic and hurricanes and our attitudes uh, and all of that. And before that, Lauren gave us a great teaching on prayer. And, and there's a lot of things that God's leading us to. So I really feel like today we, he, he wanted us to go to Daniel chapter 6 and look at some of the stuff in here. Um, and so before I get into that, there, there may be some things that are said today that might uh, step on your toes offend you, uh, shock you, we will shock you. That, we should write a song about that. Oh, sh- okay. So anyway, uh, don't leave yet. Just wait to the end. Uh, hopefully, Holy Spirit will wrap it up for you in your hearts. Uh, but I'm un- unapologetic, all right? Unapologetic. Y'all feeling good this morning? Y'all seem like you're a little down. Is it just the mood of worship? or How are y'all feeling this morning? Okay, everybody, all right, make sure y'all awake this morning. I might be throwing dollar bills out in the seats today so y'all look alive, okay? I said might, all right. Chapter 6 of Daniel, all right, so uh, we're going to hit on the Sunday school uh, story this morning uh, and and take a little bit out of that so we can learn something today about conviction. Uh, But starting in verse 1, it says, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, And he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two other administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. 
Verse 3 says, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. That's a huge deal. That's, that's the kind of promotion you want, right? Verse 4 says, Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. That sounds about right. Government workers trying to criticize each other. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Verse 5 says, So they concluded, Our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. Let's attack his faith. Verse 6 says, So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, all except for, you know who, Daniel. Um, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown to the den of lions. Now we've got a whole Lion King situation happening here. Verse 8, And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So verse 9 says, So King Darius signed the law, trusting his advisors and his administrators. Verse 10 says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown to the den of lions? Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. And verse 13 said, they told the king, that, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, no longer is he an administrator or official, he's the captive now from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. We'll stop there. So they convinced the king to convict Daniel for breaking the law, throw him into the lion's den. Um. So a lot of manipulation happening, and uh, the government is now issuing legislation based on false pretense that's affecting the whole country. Sound familiar at all over the last 200 years? Um, so he's going through this stuff, and he's, he's involved in this. He's, he's trusted by the king. He's loved by the king. He's raising up, but now he's broken the law, so the king has to follow the law. And he puts him in the lion's den. So what happens, we know the story that, that Daniel's thrown in there, but God closes the mouths of the lions, right? He's not destroyed. He's not eaten, any of that kind of stuff. And, and things start to change in the kingdom. But I, I want to talk about Daniel. He was, he was a man of conviction. He knew what he believed, and he knew why he believed it. And even in the face of death, he was willing to still do what he knew was right based on the relationship that he had with God, what he's seen God do in his life, and he wasn't going to stray away from that. I don't know how we came up with this a couple of weeks ago. We were talking outside after a worship practice one night about convictions and standing up for what we believe in and why we believe. And I was reminded of a girl when I was in school. I remember hearing about Columbine High School. That was the shooters went in there and killed a bunch of people and didn't kill themselves. And one of the famous stories that came out of that was they went to the girl in the, the cafeteria under the table and asked her if she believed in God. And she said yes. And they killed her. That's a conviction that she had buried deep in her heart. It wasn't a momentary thing that, what should I do, what should I do? She knew what she was going to say. Just like Daniel, when it was time to, he heard the law, 
And so instead of going to the king and saying, hey, what's going on here? He went straight to his house. He went and did what he knew he always was going to do to always find the peace, the understanding, the guidance he needed. It was from God. And this is a guy who's about to be promoted to run the entire empire, this captive of Judah. The slave's going to run the country. What an incredible, incredible thing. But these guys are manipulating, they're lying, all this kind of stuff. But his response, even with the threat of the lion's den, was to go back to his godly habits that he had. Listen, you don't get to go and sit down on your knees and pray in the face of life or death danger here unless you've already been doing that days and days and months and months and years and years before. You don't wake up one day and say, yeah, if the gun's on my forehead, I'm going to say, yes, I believe in God. That's a very, very important question you have to answer. Daniel answered the same way, just a different type of asking of the question. But is God more important than your country? That's what they're asking. Is God more important than the king? Is God more important than the president? It's rhetorical. Y'all ain't got to answer. Silence speaks volumes, y'all. Silence speaks volumes. What we say and how we live, if they don't line up, guess what we are? Anybody? We'll get interactive this morning. Oh, you know it. So if we say we believe in God and God's higher than the government, higher than the president, higher than my social issue, then when we're chastised for that or we're even in the face of, of life or death, do we still hold that same conviction? If not, you really don't believe it. You just think you do. Because that's the moment when what you really believe comes out. Where your faith really lies comes out when, when you have to make that important life-altering decision. Am I going to stay at this job even though I know they're purposely cheating people and I'm against that? Am I going to stay here? Daniel's response was based on his convictions, which were based on godly habits. His convictions didn't come out of thin air. He didn't make a list and say, okay, this year, part of my New Year's convictions is going to be to say no when they ask me to not pray or whatever. You know, he didn't do that. He developed habits every day. Three times a day, he's facing Jerusalem and praying. He is a captive in this land, but he has found favor with the king because he's been a man of character and honesty and integrity. And it's, promoted, it's brought promotion after promotion after promotion. He's about to be over the entire empire before jealousy sets in from his co-workers. He built his life around life-producing priorities. question that we have to ask all of us, all of ourselves, is if I look at my priorities in life, what gets the most of my time and energy and thought, thoughts, does it produce life or does it suck life out of me? It's real hard to even devote five minutes of prayer if your schedule can't allow for it. It's so hard to be a person of, of deep conviction for God if we don't spend time with God. We, we just can't because all we've got is this much in our schedule. Do our priorities bring us and produce life, or does it take life away from us? Daniel's pretty obvious. His life was built on priorities that were life-producing, not life-non-producing. I don't know what the right word is. But that's what he did. He, and he knew, think about this, guys. He's going to the lion's den, and he has this deep faith. And he knew that if I die, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be forever in the presence of God. If I live through this, it doesn't matter because I'm going to be forever, the rest of my days, in the presence of God. 
It's a win-win. The girl at Columbine, I can't, I'll never forget that story. To think about at 17, 18 years old, knowing deep in your heart, if I live, that's great, I still have Jesus. If I die, that's great, I'm going to have Jesus forever. It doesn't matter. It's a win-win situation. That's built on deep convictions. Deep convictions. In contrast to, to Daniel's viewpoints and his, his life and his priorities, Malachi was a prophet who was preaching. Uh, and you can read Malachi chapter 1 and, and, and read about this, but he's talking to people who have totally done the opposite of Daniel with their life. God has become a burden to them more than he has been a delight to their life. And because of that, what God received from them in their worship and their life was just leftovers. Leftovers aren't that great. Day two, day three, you're like, why am I still eating this thing? You know what I'm saying? Our leftover worship is not pleasing to God. He doesn't want the the seconds and the thirds. He wants the first. He wants all of you. And so these people that Malachi is preaching to and talking about, they, they have completely uh, abandoned the idea of, of full devotion to God, and they're just giving him leftovers. So how do we not end up like that? How do we not end up in a place where we're, we're giving God leftovers? We're, two things that come to mind. They're pretty simple. The first thing is you've got to fall in love with God's presence. It's hard to want to spend time with somebody if you don't like being around them. It's hard to say that I'm fully devoted to God if I don't spend time and recognize his presence and, and, and know his voice so that when he speaks, I understand what's my head, what's my flesh, what's the enemy, and what's God. Because all those things are happening. You're not crazy. Well, some of y'all might be. But most of us are not crazy with all the voices. There's competing things happening in our brains and our hearts. We got to know which one's God. You know that by, by just being in love with being around his presence. My brother-in-law talks all the time about, I'm embarrassing here a little bit. Yeah, how you doing? Every morning he, he's up and he's doing devotions or just worshiping out in his backyard watching the sunset come up. That's intentional time he's taking. Sunrise, yeah. Yeah. That's intentional time of saying, I, before I start my day, I've got to be in the presence of God. Now, is Rick perfect? No. No, bro. But I'm going to tell you this right now. Rick today versus Rick 20 years ago is two different people. Intentionality makes a difference. So when the time comes, like when you lose your son, and you got to say, am I going to still worship God today, or am I going to be back to who I was and give God my leftovers after I'm, I'm angry and I'm mad and I'm confused and I'm, I'm hurt? When you have intentional times of being connected to God and loving being in his presence, when that stuff happens, the response is always Jesus first. And it's life-changing. And it doesn't just affect you. I say this all the time. So much of who we are doesn't just affect our lives. It affects people around us in your sphere of influence. The people that you touch, even unintentionally that you, you touch by your actions or your words or how you treat somebody else. It's changing atmospheres. It's changing lives. So our convictions matter. So the second thing is this. You need to have a strong vision for the future. What does that mean? That means you need to know that what you're doing today is preparing you for tomorrow. That you don't know what tomorrow holds, but it doesn't matter because I'm going to be prepared today for it. Good or bad, 
rain or sun, I'm going to be prepared for whatever life throws at me tomorrow. And if you don't have that, that forward thinking of saying, God, I'm with you, you're with me, I'm looking ahead, I'm not staying in my past, I'm enjoying the present, I'm, I'm preparing myself for tomorrow. David defeated the giant because of what he did in the fields and the pastures before he ever saw the giants. We can't defeat, we can't win if we're not preparing now. There's a phrase that we use, and we'll preach on it more, but training versus trying. You can try all day, but you train to get better, to grow, to improve. So if you're going to kill the giant, if you're going to be intentional, if you're going to say yes when you're faced with life or death, you better be training right now for that. Because that's one of the most important decisions you're going to have to make. Because one day we're all going to be faced with that dilemma of, it may not be a gun to our head or the mouth of a lion, but there's going to be a point in our life where people want to know, who are you for? Who are you for? What are you for? What do you believe in? Why do you believe it? And we better be ready to answer. So I'm looking at our country right now. And, man, I started watching a debate the other day or a town hall the other day. I just turned it off. Just kind of tired of it at this point. Um, I don't know if everybody else is as well, but just the, the political landscape is crazy right now. And the country's in a mess, and, and we know that. And the country's been in a mess before, and we've come out of it. We've gone right back to it because we don't understand history. And we keep making the same dumb decisions and, and treating people um, not like we want to be treated but we expect to be treated better. And so we got this, this political thing happening here, this presidential election, and, and a lot of us are, are coming face-to-face -face with some questions that we have to decide what's more important, our faith or our politics. And I have found that a lot of people like to have their faith and they like to have their politics. And they're in two separate worlds. They don't come together. Separation of church and state or whatever kind of garbage we want to throw out to justify how we can act like fools in one area and like saints in another. But that's where we are right now. And look, here's the deal. We've got some things we have to figure out what we are standing on, on what convictions we're standing on as, as faith people, as disciples of Jesus. You're encouraged to vote. I want you to vote. Let your voice be heard. It's not just a man's name on a ballot that we're voting for. It's also a whole bunch of issues that we're voting for. Two totally different, different philosophies of how to make America a great country, a growing country, a, a, a vibrant country. Two different philosophies. Here's some things on the ballot, though, today, or this, as this election. Unrestricted abortion. You've got one candidate in favor, one who's not. Protection of religious beliefs. You've got one candidate in favor, one who's not. Supporting Israel, you've got one candidate who's for it and one candidate who's not. It's not just names. Take the names out of it. Let's not get personal with it. There's issues that we say we stand on with convictions as, as a church, as faith people. Here's what I want to challenge you with. Why do you believe that? What are those convictions based on? Are you willing to lose friends, lose a job, lose a marriage even over these political convictions? What I really feel like God is, is wanting us to, to understand is our convictions can't be based on our politics. Our politics should be shaped by our convictions. And our convictions should be based solely on God's word and godly habits. Why we vote the way we vote 
is not because of what a politician has told us or promised us. It's based on, the, on God's word, which is what I follow in my life. So if you're going to support the things I see in God's word, then I'll support you. If you don't, no hard feelings. I'm not supporting you. Like, it's not that easy. Well, it may not be because there's so many people who lie today and say one thing and do another. But I'm telling you this right now, church. We cannot let politics dictate our attitudes, our convictions, our view of the future. If so-and-so gets elected, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. It's over. It's over. I'm moving to Canada. It's over. Everybody on both sides of the aisle is saying the same thing. I'm out of here if he gets elected. Everything's over. Church is going to be destroyed. They're going to close the buildings. They're going to take everything away from us. They're going to make us kill old people. I mean, we're hearing all kinds of crazy stuff. Hearing all kinds of crazy stuff. I want you to know this. I'm not telling you how to vote, which way to vote, who to vote for. What I want you to do, because I feel like this is such a big thing for our country right now and for the church right now, I want you to get in God's word. And I want you to find out what God says about different things that these people are barking about on these platforms. Find out what Jesus thinks about babies and life and marriage and, and all these different things. Find out what Jesus says and then, then let the Holy Spirit tell you what to do next. Don't be influenced by somebody who looks great and sounds great because we know that the wolf can come in sheep's clothing, right? And I ain't calling anybody a wolf, so don't be quoting me online saying I'm calling somebody a wolf. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we can be easily deceived if we're not careful. And I know there's things that we care about and we stand for, but, but as Christ followers, the most important thing is that God's word has to be first. Godly habits have to be first because when the government does its thing and acts crazy, are we going to be like Daniel? Or are we going to be like the people that Malachi was preaching to and, and giving God leftovers and saying, well, I don't want to rock the boat, you know? I don't want to stand up for this issue because if I do, people are going to say things about me. They're going to make fun of my family or my. What comes first? God's word or your political convictions? That's a big question. And I want to, I want to kind of wrap up with saying, talking about this for just a second. First um, Timothy chapter 2, Paul talks to Timothy. And he's kind of like giving him the Daniel response when it comes to government, when it comes to leadership, when it comes to good leadership, bad leadership. Here's what he says in, in 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. I'm going to read from the message translation. That the first thing I want you to do is pray. Pray every way you know how for everyone that you know. Pray especially for rulers and their governments to rule well so that we can be quietly about our business of living simply in humble contemplation. This is the way our Savior God wants us to live. Other translations say we might live in peace. Listen, I don't care who sits in the White House, and you can have your reasons for why you like one person or the other. Here's what I know is that our response should always be like Daniel. Go to prayer first. I don't understand why this is happening. So for me, the only thing I know to do is get in my private place and get on my knees and say, God, help me understand what my next move is. Because the reality is, church, there could be a world that we live in where where they want to know, do you believe in God or not? And if you say yes, that could be the end of your life. It happens all over the world right now. And we get to sit in this, this place with air conditioner and cushy chairs, and I love it. I'm thankful for it. We're blessed because of it. But I tell you, there are people who don't have those luxuries. 
And so we need to know why we believe what we believe and be willing to stand on that. Even in the face of adversity and opposition, it always maintain godly character. And it doesn't happen, just to reiterate again, it doesn't happen by accident. You don't fall into godly character. You train and you train and you do habits over and over and over again. And you grow deeper and deeper in love with God's presence, with those godly habits. And before long, you're influencing life after life after life after life, replicating yourself because of what you stood strong in, these convictions, these godly convictions. So I want to close out with this, uh, the end of the story for Daniel. This is what it looked like because he stuck to his godly principles, his godly priorities. Revival broke out in that country. Here's what it says. It says, Then King Darius sent his message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone, th- new legislation, y'all, is coming down the pipe. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heaven and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Revival broke out. Legislation changed. Why? Not because Daniel fought him, but because he stuck to who he knew he he should be. And with the godly character and the godly habits he had. And what we can see here is that prayer changes things, y'all. It may not physically change your situation like it did for Daniel with the lions. But it does change your heart and your perspective. So that even if the the God pulls the trigger, it doesn't matter because I've got Jesus. It's all about perspective. You build that perspective through godly change. So here's some areas that we can develop with our convictions. The first one is spending time with God and his word, being intentional about that. Prayer, his Bible study, you know, just reading, getting in his word and reading it. The second one is fellowship and worship, being around other people who are godly believers for encouragement, for accountability, uh, and, and learning how to worship and just be in his presence. Prioritizing your family is another godly habit you should have. If God's given you a family, then, then that's, that's yours to take care of and to, and to shepherd. So do that well. Serve in some kind of ministry capacity. Get out of yourself and serve somebody else. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Be financially generous. It may just be a dollar, but you can give something to help somebody else out. Pay for a drink at Starbucks. Buy a meal at a restaurant. Help pay a bill. Speak God's promises of your life. Stop speaking negativity. The world's not going to hell in a handbasket as long as God's church is still on the earth. Have strong accountability relationships. Let people speak into your life. You're not perfect. You make mistakes, you get annoying, you get frustrating. Let somebody help you through that, okay? That also loves Jesus. Let me just say that. The last thing is this. Put yourself in places where God's power can touch your life and the life of other people. Be a conduit for his power. He wants to use you. I want to challenge you this week to look at your schedule. And I want you to build your schedule around God's priorities like you've never done before. And then see how the week turns out next Sunday. Will you stand with me this morning? I'm going to close out in prayer and a declaration over you guys. I'm going to read this declaration. I want you to keep, just close your eyes so you're not distracted. And just, 
allow this to speak to your heart as if though you're saying it. But God, I give you the first portion of my life. You take care of all of my needs. I am a person of conviction. I have dominion over my life and my time. And I burn with a personal vision that leads me to sacrifice for God in his presence. Lord, I thank you so much that you have allowed us to learn and grow with your Holy Spirit to, to be the disciples that, that are helping to change the world, that our priorities and our habits can help us transform into who you've called us to be, to be Christ-like people. We know that our prayers are powerful and effective and that as we pray, we can pray for our leaders, even the ones we don't agree with, so that we can live a peaceful life loving you and serving you. And I speak a blessing over every leader in this county, every city council person, every commissioner, every judge, every leader in this county, God, that they are wrapped with your presence this morning like never before. That as they get ready to make laws and mandates and, and regulations over people, that they are, are being led by your spirit first and not by the politics of the day. Father, I'm thankful there is no separation of church and state. God, the church is your growing kingdom, and we want to take over everything, Lord. We want to establish a kingdom culture in every area of our society so that your people are helping other people come to know Jesus so that they can experience salvation and life and eternal life forever. I thank you for every warrior in this room today, everyone watching online. They are powerful people. They are powerful people with a purpose and a mission. They are not forgotten. That the problems they see in their life are not too big for you to handle. Give them the peace, the courage, the guidance that they need to take that next step. And the step after that. And the step after that, Father. Thank you for your love, God. Thank you for Jesus. And I pray this in his name this morning. Amen. If you need some prayer this morning, we got people that will be around the, the, the room here. We can keep praying for you. But if not, hey, thanks for being here this morning. Go and love on somebody. Don't forget to stop by Operation Christmas Child and get a box and help a kid out this Christmas. Thank you, guys. We love you. We'll see you next week.